is a fan-off production. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Erie International, episode 396 this week, brought to you by fanoffmedia.com. My name is David from the United States. I'm Andy from Germany. I'm Dave from the UK. And we are here to talk about Phantasm this week, 1979 uh, science fantasy horror film, as Wikipedia puts it. But before we get to that, if it's your first time listening to the show, welcome. We are a horror podcast here on the Fanoff Network. Uh, as you've probably already gathered, we talk about all kinds of horror-related stuff, whether it's movies, books, TV shows, music, video games, whatever. Um, very excited to be talking about Phantasm with you guys this week. Um, again, though, if it is your first time listening, we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. You can you can go Google it. It's fine. I've uh, I've gotten back in. I don't know if this is, po- this is probably going to really show my age, but I've gotten back into uh, using Let Me Google That For You um on my particularly on one sibling are you guys aware of this website it's pretty self-explanatory don't think i've heard of it before (laughs) basically it's a it's a nice trolling website where if somebody's like uh in in this case it's my youngest sister gabrielle every single week asks for the address of where um daniel plays my son plays his basketball games at school right um and she's she's seven years younger than me so she's in her mid to late 20s so, you know, she she should know. So, I'll I'll Google I'll go to let me google that for you.com or whatever the URL is. You type in the search, you hit search, and then you send them that link. And then that link pops up and says, "Let me google this for you." And types it in and clicks Google search in a very slow and assholeish way. Um so, I say all that to say, Google it <laughs> if you want to know what our social <laughs> media is. Uh it's pretty easy to do. Uh, we also have a, a Gmail address if you want to send some longer form thoughts. And uh, as a matter of fact, we have an email this week that I will be pulling up right now from our friend. Um, I always forget. A smart otaku, right? That he's pronounced That's it. That's right. I always, I always look at it and I'm confused. Um, all right, let's do it. Hello, Erie International. It's a smart otaku here to say hello, to see how you are all doing, and to give a happy new year, both Western and Eastern. Hope the new year has been treating you well so far. I've had my ups and downs this new year, but I still got some fight left, and here's to better days ahead for everyone. As per usual, I present to you a couple of suggestions and a bonus message. Admittedly, the recommendations this time around are a bit lighter on the horror, but I think they still count. Let me know if they do. Your call on how much you want to read and dot, dot, dot. Well, we're going to read everything. Recommendations. Uh, The first one, ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead. It's a, uh, the genre would fall into anime, zombie, action, dark comedy. Synopsis. Akira Tendo is a a young man who for the last few years has worked in a very abusive office environment that has overworked and underpaid him to the point of suicidal depression. One day he wakes up to find that a a zombie outbreak has occurred and the first thing Akira does is to celebrate that he doesn't have to go to this shitty job anymore. Uh, Having found a renewed drive to to live and the freedom to live how he wants, Akira makes a bucket list of all the things he wants to do before becoming a zombie and sets out to make sure he does them all. Uh, personal opinions. This is a very vibrant and beautiful looking show that is full of heart. I went into this anime understanding that it would be a fun comedy and was caught off guard by its emotional and profound moments. 
the phrase memento mori features throughout this anime and from latin it roughly means don't forget you're going to die the phrase dates back to roman antiquity and was used by soldiers to remind one another that they have to give it their all before the, their eventual end comes we're all going to die one day so it's important to live life as best we can before that happens even if we're surrounded by the walking dead a colorful show that will put a smile on your face it gets a solid recommend from me um I'll ask if either of you have seen this, but I think we all probably know. I'm actually just asking Dave because I would imagine Andy and I have not seen these. <laughs> uh, but yeah, chime in there if either of you have. Um, you know, um, Otaku is really good at watching stuff that I've never even heard of. Um, wow, there we go. Yeah, so I, uh, unsurprisingly, I've I've not heard of this, but unsurprisingly, once again, um, I'm very interested in seeing it because. Uh, a lot of yeah, the stuff cool. that Smart Otaku ends up uh, recommending ends up being like a banger. So um, I'm definitely going to have to keep an eye out for it. Whether or not it is easy enough to get hold of in the UK without having a VPN and or a um, uh, the likelihood of using a, a BitTorrent uh, or something like that, uh, that, that's a question that I'll have to uh, ask at another time. But uh, yeah. Do we, do we know, and maybe don't say it on there so we don't like broadly docs mm. docs a smart otaku but do you know what continent they're in do you know i've never asked and <laughs> I, w- I wonder if they <laughs> only because we run into this each week right is like what who has access to what and everything so i'm uh this one i've heard of only i've seen it on i want to i'm trying to remember where it was it's streaming on something here in america because i've seen the okay the name and i think at first i wondered if it was a or I, I confused it with, was it called Mob Psycho 100? It's another one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, obviously, it's not, but um, cool. Okay. Uh, the second There's one a live-action movie on Netflix. Um, that's not even aware of it. That's, I think, oh, I first heard the title. And I think we started the movie and stopped because we didn't like it. And maybe okay. I'm confusing it with another similar thing. I'm not exactly sure anymore. In fairness, the live-action adaptations of manga and anime, mm, they don't have the best hit rate. Let's just put it yeah, like that. True. There are some good ones out there, but it's it's not as common as as you would hope. Um, let's see here. Oh yeah, second one. This one I've not heard of. Is this a zombie? Question mark. Um, the genre that it falls into are genres: uh, supernatural, zombie, magical girl, comedy. Synopsis. Ayumu Aikawa is your average high schooler who keeps to himself and spends every day after school searching for the person who murdered him. Oh, did I forget to mention that he is a zombie? Specifically, he's an undead who acts as the personal servant to Yu Hellsythe, a powerful necromancer he met by chance, but that's not important. <laughs> anyway, one day while searching for his murderer, uh, Ayumu meets a magical girl in training named Haruna, and after misunderstanding, ends up absorbing her powers. Completely against his will, Ayumu is forced to help Haruna protect the city from monsters and all the insanity that comes with it. Personal opinions. This is a classic anime that needs to be experienced at least once. This is one of the more well-known What the Actual Fuck series out there, which is a great uh, genre, and I gr- greatly recommend it for a good laugh. I guarantee that by the end of the episode, by the end of episode one, your face is going to be red from either laughing too hard or from the second-hand embarrassment of watching Ayumu's suffering. It's a solid recommend from me. Same deal. Have either of you guys heard of this one, seen it? Yes. No. Yeah, I, I have actually heard of it. Um, when I was aware of it, it hadn't got an English translation yet, so I knew of it as Watashi wa Zombie Deska. Um, at least I think that's <laughs> is something along that line. Um, I definitely had Zombie Deska in there. Um, 
So it was, I, I think this was during the time and I was, and I could be wrong with the timeline here because there's a lot of bleed over between one show and another, but I was listening to a podcast called the Anime Nation podcast, which was, um, I think Anime Nation was a kind of a distributor, like a small distributor, like a mail order distributor of anime um, based in the United States. And they had mm. a podcast which they um which they did it was kind of like how hideous energy first kicked off if i remember correctly like um because hideous energy way 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 back maybe even before it was hideous energy uh it was because all you guys were kind of like either working in or were oh, yeah. around the comic shop right um, yeah it was called alter ego comic cast that's right it was, yes yeah and th- that the reason we did hideous energy is because jason the owner of the shop didn't want to keep recording every week yeah. Um and we didn't want to keep doing a podcast with his shop's name on it <laughs> without him being part of it. So that's when we switched to Hideous Energy. Which is fair. Man, yeah. so many things rushing back into my mind memories. Long time ago. Um but yeah, so it's a similar kind of idea to that, right? It was like free publicity and also you get to do a podcast and just shoot the shit with friends and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I think because um, they had a segment every week where they would talk about like what had come out and then they would do like season reviews because for those that aren't aware anime tends to be released in um uh like the winter season or the the fall season or the summer season like that there's um every quarter there is like a, a, a like a start line for the anime of, of that particular season um and so they would do like regular reports on that and this was one of the ones that was mentioned there uh i think maybe when it was first out i might have seen the first episode or at least part of the first episode but i obviously didn't follow up and watch any more of it um but it's definitely the kind of show that i would enjoy watching and i can't understand why i didn't carry on watching it back then to be honest maybe it was ease of access that could have been a huge part of it because back then access was not at all easy Crunchyroll at that point if I'm again if I'm remembering the timelines right um Crunchyroll wasn't legit yet it was like an illegal streaming site um so like things have moved on a lot since then accessibility has gotten a lot easier and a lot better uh Funimation closed down notwithstanding that's a whole different thing for a whole different podcast um but yeah, I it's definitely one of the ones that got a lot of traction when it was released. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that uh, Otaku is, is recommending it because uh, I probably should have watched it by now. I just haven't got around to it because reasons. I don't know. Yeah, you really slack off when it comes to watching anime, man. I know, so. right? Yeah, I I guess I guess my powers for creating time um, just kind of limit themselves <laughs> at a certain point, and I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, yeah, no, it sounds it sounds like something I would also definitely would like to check out. So I'll see if it's streaming here. Uh, and then he closes it out with a bonus message. So last month in the Generation Animation Discord, someone made the horrible mistake of expressing their interest in the Fate franchise, a franchise that I am zealously rabid for. I'm pretty sure Dave can fill you in on the carnage that followed. <laughs> um, let's just say there is an awful lot of Fate, and Otaku is very good uh, where it comes to laying stuff out and and really explaining everything and i i can't explain it fully but basically there was a shit ton of stuff that was recommended and um people kind of were like oh yeah we're going to be interested and then i think some people were maybe frightened by the depth of fate (laughs) and how many shows there are to the point that they didn't even know which one to start with um 
and, and I've always got the default position that you should start with whichever one was made earliest. Like to me, that sure. makes more sense. Just watch it in the order in which it was released. It's you know, it, it might not technically be the best way to do it. You know, we can talk about the machete cut all day long if you want, uh, or machete order. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I, I, th- I think that um, chronological release date is probably the easiest. Uh, but yeah, it's fate is a whole thing. And I, <laughs> I, I don't think that if we had three hours, and we do not have three hours to talk about this, that I would be able to cover it all. I'm not the expert, really. We should get like Bianca um, from um, Generation Animation to, to come on and talk about it if we really want to have this discussion, because she would probably be able to discuss it a lot better than I could. But suffice well, to say, there's a shitload of fate, and Christ knows how it all fits together properly. A, uh, a smart otaku added in here at the end. Well, last time I wrote in, I do recall that when I recommended Fate here for Eerie, David made the surprisingly apt comparison to Metal Gear and made the horrible mistake of saying, yeah. quote, I can see myself getting into it at some point and getting into all of it. <laughs> well, and then he sent some images, uh, which are pretty hilarious. Uh, and then he said, I said you would need guidance, so here it is. Grail help you and sent a, a link to a Google Doc. Um, with a breakdown of how to get into it, which if he if he emails us and lets us know, that's cool to share. Was that in the disc? I, well, either way, we'll we'll get permission from him. We can we can post it on the the show. Yeah, notes, I mean, I, I'm um, pretty sure week. I'm pretty sure that they posted it in the Genan Discord originally, and the Genan Discord is free for anyone to join. Um, okay, you have so to like uh, when you join, you have to just put a little hello in in the say hello section because that's the only part that you'll originally be able to access. But as soon as we okay. figure out that you are actually a human being and not a Russian bot trying to sell us Ray-Ban spectacles, then we'll let you in and you can have a look at the rest of it. <laughs> I'm genuinely uh, very thankful for this. And that's not um, – I don't know why it would be sarcasm regardless. But I I get uh, very excited about, um, like, primers like this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there used to be a thing on um, – was it the comics journal? No, it was on Robot 6, which was like a, a sub – blog of comic book resources cbr back in the day uh and chris mountner i believe was his name he writes for the comics journal and stuff like this is a comic book tangent but he he would do a comic book sort of primer series on there where he would be like okay so you want to get into uh love and rockets or you know the hernandez brothers or whatever there's so much here's like the first thing you should read then it's like advanced reading is this stuff and then things to save for last and kind of gives you this whole Sort of, and that's exactly how my my brain is wired in terms of like I like being able to like most times when we watch a a movie on here I am if I don't know anything about it it depends on the movie obviously if it's something like malignant or whatever and I know not to look anything up I won't but mm-hmm. um, like Phantasm like I'm wanting to get all the context what did Coscarelli make before this what you know where was this at and everything reminding myself of all that stuff so this is uh, this is perfect very excited to to dig into this and uh, I, I won't say start watching fate because I don't know what's in store for me yet, but we're a step closer. Hey, look, <laughs> I, step I've, closer. I've watched, I think two of the fate series for generation animation and I lived to tell the tale and I didn't become super obsessive. So it, <laughs> okay. it isn't that once you dip your toe in and enjoy it, you will have to watch everything else because I've, I'm living proof that you can enjoy it and then just be like, well, that was cool. Now I'm going to move on to something else. So don't be (laughs) too worried about it. It, But it is very apt. Like when you mentioned about the Metal Gear um, thing from last time, it's very apt because like you could very happily go and play the original Metal Gear Solid and then be like, that was a cool game. I'm going to go and play Shenmue now. 
Um, yeah. Or you could be one of the devotees to the entire genre who, by the way, still don't know how all the story fits together because none of us do. Mm-hmm. Kojima yeah. himself doesn't understand that. <laughs> um, and now he's got Death Stranding so that people can't understand how that works either. That's great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 a take it or leave it kind of thing. It's not a, a, um, a zero-sum game, if I'm using that term correctly. It's not like right. all or nothing you can just dip in and watch a single series and it will all make sense in a self-contained um, manner. But if you, the more you watch, the more it links together. It's kind of like, here's the best example. It's like reading It from Stephen King and being like, I really enjoyed that. And then you read The Gunslinger and you're like, oh, wait, there's more. And then you get <laughs> obsessed and you get into the later stuff. And yeah. so Not that you have any experience with that. That Fuck phenomena. No. Fuck no. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for writing in. Uh Smarter Talk. We always love getting your your emails and uh yeah, I'm excited to dive into this Google Doc after the show. I will be doing that. Mm. Uh cool. All right, let's uh let's talk about what we got into this week um in the horror field. I don't know if I actually even have anything. Andy, I'll throw it to you first and while I try to remember if I have a single thing to talk about. I don't have much either. Have you guys seen the trailer for A Quiet Place Day One, the new, the third movie yes. in the franchise? I did. Oh, I know this was happening. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I knew I knew the movie was happening. I only today saw that a trailer had come out a few days ago. I, I missed that, so I watched that one today, and uh, I liked the trailer quite a bit. I liked the other movies. I, too. I, of course, didn't know what to expect from the new movie for a while. Uh, our boy Jeff Nichols was involved in a new <laughs> yep. Quiet Place movie. I recently listened to a podcast with him uh, where he said, well, that from the beginning, he wasn't he the, the right person to do that. So he, at, at some point, they, they separated and he, mm. it seems like he, it, it's not one of the projects that he uh, feels like really missing out doing yeah. it. Anyway, so... Um, only today, when I looked it up, did I learn that the director of the Nicolas Cage movie Pig is the director yeah. of the new Quiet Place movie, Michael Sarnowski. Yeah, Michael Sarnowski. I, I think the, co- the... co-writer, writer. I know Krasinski has like a story credit at least, but right. I think he also yeah. wrote it. Yeah, yeah, screenplay and uh, directing Michael Sarnowski. And Lupita Nyong'o is the lead. I like her a yeah. lot. And I thought the, the trailer looked pretty neat. Don't learn much about the story. There's not a lot of dialogue, which I, of course, like. Uh, but the the images I really enjoyed. I like the people involved. So I'm I'm looking forward to this one. I think this could be a good one. Did you uh, did you recognize the guy in the trailer? You only see him a couple quick times. The guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have the cast in front of me. Of course, I, oh, okay. I <laughs> Jaimon Honsu. I did uh, recognize. Well, sure. Uh, yeah, he's. In <laughs> I did not uh, see. Uh, Alex Wolf or Joseph Quinn, at least not knowingly in the trailer. Joseph Quinn is the one. one he's in, yeah, Joseph yeah. Quinn, Eddie from uh, the newest season of Stranger Things. For anybody who doesn't recognize yeah. the actor's name, he uh, who I loved on Stranger Things. I think I'm sure we've talked about that. Um, There's a good chance that I did see him, but did not recognize him because he didn't look like a heavy metal kid. He has short <laughs> hair and no uh, jackets or patches on, so it is a very different look <laughs> than what we've seen him in the past. 
Uh, but yeah, no, I was excited uh, as well. The the cast and then how it looks, man, it's crazy that that franchise uh, has had legs and quality to it that I never expected it to have. Um, and, and not yeah. in, like I expected the worst, but I love that first movie. I thought it was great. And then I was just kind of hoping and praying that, that would be it. <laughs> but they've continued to make more, and I've been interested in all of them. And I remember even at the the first one, uh, talking to friends afterwards and being like, man, it's so cool that they don't explain where the aliens came from <laughs> or, like, what happened or what they were. And then you get a little bit more of that in the second one, and I was like, shit, I kind of guess I did want to see this. Uh, and then now there's a whole movie <laughs> potentially about at least more of them showing up because it looks it's set in New York City, or at least the trailer is. Um, and so it's, it's a, a very different vibe than the, like, you know, country sort of quiet small town mm -hmm. from the first two. Um, but still, and also another thing I thought about too, watching this trailer was like, it's also strange how the first movie, you know, we get re a reveal of the creatures further on in the movie, but it's very teased to the first trailer, uh, for the first movie, or I think pretty much all the trailers for the first movie, it's just little snippets, you know, it's like an arm or a flash or whatever. And then in this new one, it's just monsters everywhere because <laughs> we've yeah. gotten further into it. But yeah, I was I thought it looked really cool too. You should watch it, Dave. the The trailer and I also have will. you watched Have you watched the second one? I can't remember. I, I haven't got around to watching the second one. I should have. I'm pretty sure it's available to watch like on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever the fuck over here. But I just never got around to it's, it for whatever reason. It's great. You watched it, right, Andy? I've seen it. Yeah, Rem yeah. Uh, Bianca doesn't remember <laughs> the new trailer. And in, uh, in the beginning of the trailer, you have these these scenes from the first two movies just to to, to remind yeah. the viewer of what the universe is and bianca at some point said we haven't we still haven't watched the second one and i said well we have <laughs> <laughs> what's a ringing endorsement <laughs> I, I and i i do know we both liked it but uh, i don't know i guess she gets to enjoy it a second time yeah yeah the second one I, I, uh, I think it was the first movie i saw after covid or, like, not after code, but, like, when they were starting to release movies again was the first one I ventured back out to see and was surprised that I liked it as much, maybe, more than the first one, um, which I did not expect. thought it was very good. Also has a, an early pre-award season glimpse of Killian Murphy and um, Emily Blunt as Oppenheimer and his wife <laughs> <laughs> in, that, in the second film before they turned in some crazy performances yeah i'm glad you brought that up andy i i copied and pasted that link to send to you guys and to send to my other chat group of uh friends who we've all gone to see the movies each time they've come out i sent it to them got pulled into the conversation and completely forgot to send it to you guys <laughs> so uh i'm glad you you brought it up looks very cool um was that it for you this week andy oh one more thing um i've had a good about 90 minute chat with our friend Mitch from the Turtle Table this week. Just a turned filmmaker. Um, yeah. And of course, we've mentioned his short film, The Druid's Hand, which you can still watch on YouTube, I believe. And he recently co directed his first feature film, a horror movie, which will come out in April in Canada. It will be on Crave. And in the US, it will be on Tubi. And um, nice. it, I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. He sounded very, um, well, he was very pleased with the outcome, it seems, and with the, the first reaction that he's gotten to the, the current version of the movie. Oh, cool. They're still working on it, still in post production. But yeah, 
seemed that's awesome seemed like especially that he's happy with how it turned out because if if anybody that's that's always the first question i ask people when something comes out like other other creators is are you happy with how uh, how it came out as opposed to are people enjoying it or whatever else because mm. i've always felt like that's the most important thing um is, is if you're at least happy with where it it ended or where you left it because it's always hard to stop at a certain point so i'm glad to hear he's happy with it that's awesome it was like the the way that the project came about that he even got the um assignment to direct it the 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 end product is probably way more to his liking than the 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 starting point would have promised to him oh so. okay yeah makes sense cool um all right dave let's start over to you okie dokie got three things plus a bonus item um so let's start with the bonus item why not before i forget about it uh now we've talked about doki doki literature club on this program before and uh it turns out that at the moment and until february the 15th if you are a account holder with uh the epic game store which is free to sign up for by the way you can download doki doki literature club plus for free to keep for life um or as long as you keep your epic games account um and so i would absolutely recommend that people go and uh, download that if they have an account if they don't have an account it is free to sign up for um epic is mainly chinese owned although i believe disney has recently bought a uh, a stake um so that's a very large stake (laughs) a very large stake so that's worth knowing about but uh, I i would definitely recommend it um i've got so many free games off of epic in the last few years including some absolute like I mean, I'm not saying this isn't a, an absolute banger, but like AAA, like yeah. very, very good stuff. I think I've got all much three more Arkham expensive games, games than yeah that yeah. cost to make than Doki Doki. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, even if you don't want Doki Doki, then this is just a public service announcement. Definitely get yourself an Epic Games account because the free games that drop every um, week or so are absolutely worth signing up for it. Um, even I, if you are just giving your data to <laughs> to, to un, unscrupulous Chinese corporations, and I'm sure I'm sure we mentioned both of the things I'm about to say on our uh, Doki Doki Literature Club episode. But mm. uh, a, if you don't know anything beyond the title, don't look anything up. Just get the game absolutely. And, play it. and b, if you start playing it or before you even download it, see that the words visual novel and that's off putting. Um, don't. Don't stress. It was the first kind of visual novel I ever interacted with as well. Mm. Um, unless you hate reading, and 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 even then, it's not like you're reading, you know, pages and pages and pages and pages of of prose or anything like that. It's it's dialogue for the most part. Yeah, and um, you're interacting with it all as yeah. well. So yeah, it's, totally. It's There's like an element there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't yeah, don't let that that stop you from playing. I, I would say all in all, doing the whole thing probably takes like. I don't know, two, three hours, maybe. It's not long. From what I remember, yeah, yeah, it maybe took less that kind than of time. That? I mean, I did do a let's play walkthrough um, on the on my YouTube channel um, while I was playing it for the show. So, uh, I, oh yeah, I think right. they were like an hour, hour and a half each, and there's like three or four episodes that I put out. So, um, and I even tend then, to... that's going to be longer than 
Just because if you're playing by yourself and not doing a Let's Play. Exactly. Yeah, I was talking over it. I was reasoning, uh, you know, I was, I was reasoning out loud. And, you know, I, I play games at a leisurely pace anyway. So <laughs> right. uh, what takes me six hours will take most people like maybe two or three, I guess. You know, much, much gotta, like my I got to co-sign that. <laughs> I got to co-sign that with you, though, because it's, uh, it's one of my favorite horror things, period. Um, mm. But definitely within the world of video games, there's not really anything else exactly like it and the no. way that it does and i'm not sure what no. the plus aspect adds to it other than maybe a new game plus or something like that i don't yeah, know yeah that was the yeah i i did that when we did our episode so i had played it on pc the first time around and then when we did our episode it had just recently i think come out on switch and so i i bought it on switch and played uh that version whatever mm. plus or whatever it's called and i'm trying to remember i think there's some extra um poem sections maybe i know that Was there's there an definitely extra girl as well there might be um yeah. I'm, i can't remember now i know that there's definitely um an extra aspect of it mm. i don't want to spoil anything because you're on a console <laughs> so they they do some things so that you're able to experience the whole game without uh oh, playing course. it on pc yeah, yeah there's some changes yeah. there so um but yeah for the most part it's it's the same game so it's kind of surprising that that version is on <laughs> epic game store <laughs> but it makes me wonder if it's it's even different there anyway it depends talking about the this game too is, long I, I got too excited that's nah, fine um <laughs> right so and now we get on to the uh the, the feature presentation uh so to speak of, of what i watched this week uh i watched three movies i watched them all on the same day i think yeah i did and they varied wildly in quality um, I say I watched them all on, on the same day. One of them I actually watched over the course of about three attempts over three days. Um, so always a good sign. Oh hell yeah! So let's <laughs> let's start with uh, with that one then. So Haunt, which I believe was originally released in 2019 or 2020. I've um, seen yeah, so it's got a lot of attention at the moment because it recent certainly in UK publications because it was recently added to Netflix. Um, in the UK, for sure. I don't know about other regions. Um, and it's... I I gave it like two out of five stars on Letterboxd. Uh, and those two stars are purely because it's a really nice-looking film and the technical aspects of filmmaking, they're all done very well. Unfortunately, the story is generic as fuck. I can see everything coming a mile off. Nothing felt like it really hung together particularly well. And when I saw that it was produced by Eli Roth in the end credits, I immediately thought, of course it fucking was. It's that kind of movie. I don't mean to slag off Eli Roth because he's made some very fun films and some very gory films. But this is basically just like, what you know, what if Eli Roth made a movie about a haunted house? Um, it's... I I prefer The Haunt is Alive. I really do. I genuinely do. And I'm not just saying that because we're uh, we're friends with uh, with, with the people behind that. But um, this film's just not very interesting to watch. You know, I, I found myself watching my phone a lot, having a look at the time, checking what the uh, what the runtime left on the film was. Uh, I was constantly thinking to myself, I can't wait for this film to be over so I can watch something else just all all good all good blurbs oh yeah yeah absolutely like it's <laughs> it's it's a really good looking film i really don't want to take away from the director and the director of photography here um the actors it's, i think do a decent job 
it's directors because it's the dudes who wrote a quiet place just to tie it back to that um the the original and then yeah they they bombed out after the first one to uh, make their own own stuff. I can't believe that they. I, I didn't check who wrote this. I hope it wasn't them as well. <laughs> so I think it was. <laughs> oh shit! Because here's the thing, like, and this isn't like a massive spoiler or anything, because um, I'm not going to go into like huge detail here. But the the setup of the movie, when they come across this haunted house, it feels like one of those supernatural incidents where they're like. this set of friends get in the car and they set off and they're like we're going to go and find a haunted house and we're going to have a great time and go around and it's kind of like these extreme haunted houses right so yeah yeah. I was going to say you should you should define that because it's not like a oh this house is haunted because someone got killed in it it's like a Halloween yeah attraction haunted house and it's yeah yeah, yeah. like you said an extreme one so like they can you have to sign a waiver and exactly you're not allowed to touch the actors but the actors can touch you and follow their instructions and if you do get injured it's not our fault hold harmless all of that stuff but um it so they they're off to to find a haunted house and they're using like google maps or whatever the fuck and they've they've got one that they're going to go and find and then for one reason or another i'm not going to go into because it's part of the plot of the movie they decide that they need to take a, a detour so they they pull off of the main road and then where they pull up that they turn around and a sign lights up and it says haunted house and it's like oh what a coincidence we, we were looking for a haunted house we should go and have a look at this one like it's either grand coincidence or it's supernatural but the thing is the rest of the movie has fuck all to do with the supernatural. There is nothing haunted about it at all. There is nothing supernatural about it. It's all very much very human killers killing people in disturbing ways. Um, and, and, you know, th- those two things, I, I was battling with that, thinking, why would you set it up like, like you know, all spooky-dooky, look, we found a haunted house, Oh, it's a magical mystery house. And then it's just a bunch of disturbed people who want to kill other people. It, it, it's dumb. Um, it has a decent ending. Um, and I think part of what I'm, why I'm saying that is because it was the ending and I was just happy it was over, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a great film. It, it's a very good-looking film. I, I think that you can take lessons from how it is made. It's a relatively inexpensive film, I would imagine. Um, but they make very good use of light and shade and shadow, and there's a lot of different co- colors that are like in the background, a lot of gels and stuff. It, it, kind of taking a cue from Giallo, but not being expressly Giallo. There's a there's another big element of the movie that I liked, and I can't remember if Andy has seen this movie. I couldn't Andy. either. Um, I <laughs> okay <laughs> because because. I, it's very possible that I've seen parts of it because my letterbox tells me that I haven't seen it. I did not log it, but I have memories of scenes. So maybe Bianca watched it and I saw parts Bianca of it. Bianca hasn't logged. Yeah. Yeah. So that. it's possible that she watched it, she watched it at some point and I saw parts of it. So maybe that's yeah. where my memory comes from. There's a, the, well, and, and, and in case you haven't, well, you probably already saw, you remember now, there's a big mask element in the movie, mm. which uh, I thought was cool. I liked the masks, but then I, I, did. I guess I won't spoil it. You said you didn't? <laughs> no, no, I did. I did. Oh, okay, I, okay. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like the, the practical elements of this film, um, the, the, the filmmaking, you know, the, the filming, the makeup, uh, for most parts, the acting, 
the uh, the soundtrack. It's all it, it's all the elements of a really good film, but the story lets it back down so badly, and so has my front doorbell. So if you'll excuse me for two seconds, I ain't cutting <laughs> shit this week. <laughs> I can I can fill us in while you're gone. I I was going to say what you said before, and now I'm just talking to Dave like he's here. Uh, what Dave said before <laughs> about it being um, uh, kind of like floundering with the premise. I think that's that was what I kind of settled on by the end of it for myself was that it's a pretty awesome premise and a great setup. But And I don't mean this dismissively because I like slashers, but it, then it's a slasher movie. So it gets pretty simplistic after that in terms of just like each person getting killed along the way. Yeah, uh, it's very formulaic. Oh, okay, you're back. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it just becomes a slasher, which is fine. I, I think I liked it more than you did based off of my score, but I also will probably never watch it again. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not super far away from where you're at. There, there is, I won't spoil it, but there is an element with the masks that I thought was pretty cool that I hadn't seen in any other movie before. Um, but if you have any interest in, mo- in watching the movie, it would be a huge spoiler for me to say what that is. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not going to. Anybody it, wants to check it out? This is the weird position I find myself in. On the one hand, I can't recommend to anyone to watch the movie. On the other hand, I don't want to ruin what is probably the best thing in the movie. Right. So I'm yeah, not going exactly. to say. But we we both know what we're talking about, and anyone yeah. that has seen it will know what we're talking about. The um, there are some makeup effects in the film. Um, which I, I think are really well done, and some yeah. something that we can't talk about here. <laughs> I will it say it, it's it. got its fans. I think especially slasher slasher people are are into it. So mm. um, we may be a little bit more in the minority with it. But Maybe yeah. I mean you know mileage may vary. Not everyone is going to um, get on with every movie in exactly the same way. But for me, sure. I, it just really felt so generic and. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, honestly, because like the whole premise of the film is basically, you know, it's a one sentence premise. Like kids go to a haunted house and start getting murdered. It's like it's not it's not a, a particularly complex idea for a movie. And I think also the setup, the premise with it being an extreme haunted house, like those are relatively newer. Um, and so we don't have a ton of movies about those. Like I remember when they this one came out, there was also one called Extremity which I've had in my iTunes wish list for like six years. <laughs> I've never watched. Um, but I think it's another one that at least has that similar sort of setup, which is like, it's a haunted house, but they can mess with you. And so it's, is this, uh, usually they all kind of hint at like, is this real or is it, you know, uh, special effects? And they have these like other, uh, you mentioned Eli Roth before, like he had one, maybe he still does it, I don't know. But he had one for a while in Vegas that was, like an extreme haunted house where they use like Hollywood level effects and stuff like that. So you'd see mm. people seemingly getting cut in half or whatever with the gore and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And, but yeah, at least with this one, you start off with the premise and then slash I, I guess the, <laughs> is I, what I, happens. I, I guess the, the issue and they, they do their best to try and subvert certain things and then fall straight back into the obvious yeah. My main issue is that it's a slasher movie based on 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 like a, a an extreme haunt, and what... <laughs> it's so fucking obvious who the killers are going to be and who the victims are going to be. Like, can we not do yeah. something a bit more um, uh, or a bit less obvious? Like, could we have maybe just one of 
the employees being a murderer uh, or right. maybe the guests are the murderers and it's the haunt employees who are running for their lives there's an idea but no it's just really generic and obvious and and to be honest for me boring um but yeah. but again like maybe i'm just you know my life experience is different to other people's maybe maybe it's just me and i'm being a, an absolute douche about this um ap- apologies i've realized i've told you guys about this but the listeners won't know about this um you can hear my dog yapping in the background um she was spayed i i subscribed to the bob barker philosophy of uh, spaying and neutering your pets and um she's uh, been spayed and she has to be kept in her crate to stop her from ripping stitches and stuff like that and the noise that you are hearing at the moment or were hearing um is her being annoyed at not being allowed out of her crate uh, she's not in any distress or pain or anything like that she is literally just bending my ear because she wants out so um yeah she's mad she mad uh i can't say i blame her either if i would be if i had that done to me um but there we go so yeah uh that that's what the the dog is uh is up to speaking of dogs uh i rewatched dogma uh what nice. what a lumpy segue that was um it it was my favorite film that i watched this week it's probably right up there with red state and the original clerks for my favorite kevin smith movie i think clerks is my favorite and then like dogma and red state are right up there alongside it just purely as like films like even if you're not just like a a massive kevin smith fan and he has his own cult that follow him and i'm definitely a paid up member um I, i think that those three films there's something about them that any film fan can watch them and be like, oh, that's a good film. That's not just, oh, it's Kevin Smith um, and me on the same jokes kind of thing. You know, it's almost like a club when you watch like Clerks 2 and you're like, well, it's not a great film, but it was fun hey as now. fuck. Well, hey okay. Yeah, Jane Silent Bob like Strike Clerks Back too. then. How about that? Okay. Or Jane well, Silent Bob Reboot. Or something less uh, controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I went with Clerks 2, to be honest, because that's actually a really well-made film as well. <laughs> I like Clerks 2. I know. Um, so, you know, Dogma for me is like a, a really well-crafted film. It's got a lot to say about organized religion. And I found it interesting, and I don't remember this, but maybe it's because it's the least um, memorable part of the film, that the opening of the movie is just like a series of um, like slates with text on them where they're basically saying... About the platypus? Uh, yeah, the platypus. <laughs> I remember the platypus joke once it came up, but until then I was like, I don't remember any of this. Basically, it's a massive disclaimer saying, please don't let a bomb our offices because yeah. we made a, a joke of Catholicism because it's not just Catholicism that we're taking the mickey out of. We're taking the piss out of organized religion in general. And if, yeah. you, if you're paying attention, the film absolutely does rip the piss out of just organized religion in general. It does focus specifically on Catholicism because... Kevin Smith, lapsed Catholic, brought up in the Catholic Church. Um, and also, it's just a really easy religion to lampoon, unfortunately, for the Catholics. Oh, yeah. So, you know, he had a lot to say about his own faith and, and maybe lapse and lack of now. And uh, I just find this movie really fun to watch. And I've not watched it very often on, on rewatches, like since it came out. I think I've watched it maybe half a dozen times in total. Well, it's not easy to watch unless you have it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, because there's no, yeah. it doesn't, it's not streaming anywhere. I think, uh, and yeah, it's it's not available um, to stream anywhere except for YouTube. Apparently, um, I'm pretty sure that he got 
I'm trying to remember. He talked about it at one point that they tried to get the rights back so that they could put it out. It has something to do with Weinstein. I, I know that because I'm not surprised, I, yeah. And and I think specifically that Kevin Smith didn't want to um, have him get money <laughs> in any way. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm sure if you Google it, it's out there. He's talked about it at length. But yeah, it's it's one of the the few Kevin Smith movies that's not super easy to get a hold of. Yeah, so I mean, fortunately, I do own a copy on DVD, uh, but I was really lazy that day, and I Googled it, and turns out that there was a DVD quality rip on YouTube that I could watch, so I just, I was just lazy and watched it through YouTube. Um, I think one of the funniest things Kevin Smith has ever written is Buddy Christ. <laughs> Buddy Christ, <laughs> of, such a fucking awesome thing. I saw that when, uh, I got into Kevin Smith when we were in Brazil, when my parents were missionaries there. And so a lot of these movies I had to hide from my from my mom. My dad wouldn't have cared. Um, but I remember specifically he either was watching Dogma with me or came across it or something. And I remember <laughs> I mean, this. You guys have met my dad or in some way have interacted with my dad or met him yeah. in person. Like yeah, yeah. he uh, he's a cool guy. But this was definitely when it it really hit me that like uh, even with religion, he has a he doesn't have um, I'm trying to think how to explain it. He's. He's he has the same attitude. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that would have been the smiling, winking Jesus with <laughs> thumbs up would have been one of the most offensive things that all of the other missionaries that we would have been there with could have <laughs> come across. <laughs> and I remember my dad laughing so fucking hard when he saw it. Like, he thought it was so funny. And But then also, like... I remember my dad also being like, it's not a bad idea either. Like, no, this is, like we have this whole thing and, and all of this, like it, he's always said, like, I think that I think that there's humor to be found and 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 that, you know, God has a sense of humor and there's stuff here that that is funny without being, you know, blasphemous. Like so many Christians consider everything to be blasphemous if it's in yeah. any way not being completely respectful in a very specific way. So oh, yeah, my I'd, dad had a, uh, a little buddy Christ statue hidden in one of his pastor offices for a long time. Oh, what a legend. Out in the open. What a legend. Cause here's, here's the thing. I, I've got no trouble believing that uh, Jesus, if he was consulted on, it would be like, I love the idea of a smiling yeah, thumbs, thumbs up, up <laughs> version of me. Like, absolutely. Why, why is everybody, why is every image of me, uh, you know hanging off of a cross suffering i get it yeah. i suffered for you so you know your sins could be uh absolved and all that <laughs> but come on like i was a dude as well like <laughs> up until the age of 30 wow. i partied <laughs> 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 let me be a happy guy sometimes so yeah i mean dogma for me is is it's a really really good film it, it still holds up extremely well also and um I, I never remembered chris rock being that scrawny but when you see him first introduced in the movie it's just like dude yeah, he's got a great cast got no fucking muscle mass at all have you <laughs> <laughs> he was a skinny dude uh so yeah there's um there's that also i i don't know why but i were Azrael's horns cg the entire movie and i've not realized that until this watch through because i'm pretty sure they are and that feels like a an abhorrent use of of money i'd be surprised only because they have a shit monster that in the movie that's made out of rubber so yeah yeah and that's my I, main I qualification to talk. oh sorry andy i don't think there's cg i think i've seen pictures of jason lee with those horns on. it may just have been what i was watching it on and the size yeah. of the screen who knows i wasn't watching it on my phone 
I was watching on the television, but it was through YouTube. So who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> never mind. Um, but yeah, Dogma having a shit monster in there, I think it, it kind of qualifies for talking about in terms of horror. So yeah, sure. there we go. Plus that final scene outside the church. Um, and I, I will mention the fact that I forgot just how wonderful Alanis Morissette is as God. Just the the smiling, skipping, the doing a handstand <laughs> with like boxer briefs underneath her, her dress um you know being asked what why are we all here and just booping uh the lead actress on the nose like it's just all so wonderfully light-hearted and yeah like it, how anyone could have the arse ache that their god is is um represented as that you know just a fun loving just genuinely lovely deity i i yeah. i would i would worship at the altar of alanis morissette i don't know about you guys well, that's the thing, like with all these, all of these projects typically that uh, become very controversial with religions when, especially comedies, like in my experience, this one being a big one. And then the other huge one for me being, um, and I'm not Mormon, but the Book of Mormon musical is that if you actually sit down and watch them, they're, they're not anti-religion through and through. Like they, in fact, in some ways are very positive about mm. what the, the, the good things that can be that can happen through it or whatever else. But there's all this other shit that comes in the way by Christians or more, whatever else that, that clouds it and that, that morphs it into something awful that it shouldn't be. Um, but I, yeah, both of those things, I've watched those movies and come out the other end going like, I, I feel like this is kind of respectful in some ways of saying like, look, you guys are missing the point. <laughs> like this is, this is not what it's about. Obviously dogma is, you know, just crazy all the time um absolutely but, yeah it's also I, I highly recommend as a double feature pick uh if you watch dogma going on youtube and searching for the uh, news clips of kevin smith protesting his own movie um in, in red bank <laughs> pretty great <laughs> they don't oh, know it's man. him <laughs> i think westboro baptist church got involved in in protesting some this... of his movies i don't know if that was one of them oh yeah no, this one was just like the local Jersey Catholics. Oh, and right. He, his friend um, uh, Malcolm Ingram, uh, like, called him. I started to say texted, called him, and was like, "They're protesting <laughs> the the movie. We got to go down there." So they made they made signs. I think his said, "Dogma is dog shit." Yeah. And they, so then there's like a local news broadcast you can find on YouTube, and they kind of hint at it. They're like, "We talked to a local man who." looks suspiciously like the director and it cuts to kevin smith he's like i just don't think they should they should be showing it and then they're like have you seen it? he's like i haven't seen it but i've heard it's bad like <laughs> it's pretty good <laughs> gotta love kevin oh man um and then uh the final movie uh to talk about is uh fantasy island which again is another rewatch for me um i think it originally I can't even remember what year it came out now. I'm Googling furiously to try and remember. It was a Blumhouse one, right? It was a Blumhouse movie, and uh, based on the TV uh, drama of the same name. Yeah. Um, I've never watched the drama, so I don't know how much it took for granted and how much it didn't. I, I think it was very, very lapse in its use of... I think basically it was like an island that can create wishes, and then they went off and did their own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the original one was like more romance right i think i get the feeling it was like a comedy drama romance kind of whatever you want it to be that week kind of thing but i don't the thing know is with sure. the original fantasy island you're 
in each episode you have several people who get their wishes granted so you have the opportunity to make each story a different genre uh, so it oh, was okay. really, really a, a series one. where they could do anything with yeah it is really clever like really clever idea um, this is the the plane the plane dude and all that exactly yeah yeah okay I don't also, know if that's in the new also movie, it's got two of the greatest pop culture bad guys of all time um, in the the lead roles of the TV show because uh, you've got both Khan uh, and the oh, yeah. short little dude from the, that one James Bond film who ends up being hung from the mast <laughs> during the lovemaking final scene. I can't remember the man, name of the character now. Man, man with the golden gun looks like man with the golden gun. In. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, um, so you know. It has that going for it as well. But uh, the film, which was from 2020, now that I've found the uh, the entry, um, it was directed and uh, co-written by Jeff Wadlow. Um, I remember watching it at the cinema. I think it, th- th- it was one of those weeks where we wanted to watch something at the cinema, but there wasn't much on. So we just were like, well, Fantasy Island kind of looks like it could be fun. So we ended up watching that. Um, it's got Michael Pena and um, Maggie Q., uh, in the cast, along with uh, Lucy Hale, um, who uh, has a, a much more uh, central role than uh, you would initially think. And uh, Michael Rooker has got like a blink-and-you-miss-it cameo um, in the movie as well. Uh, it's it's very much horror uh, through and through. Like every single one of their fantasies takes a turn at some point into horror. Um, it's It's decent, I think... They were just looking for an excuse to make the movie, and they were like, "Well, we can get this property uh, license, so we we could do it like this," and and that's what they basically ended up doing. But uh, it had a really, really tiny, tiny budget. It was only seven million dollars to make it, which is absolutely mental when you think about like how much some movies are made for. Um, especially because like it, it is not lacking in effects. It has got several decent effects in it. They're on location in a beautiful uh, locale. Uh, I, I don't know exactly where it was filmed. Um, furiously trying to do my research as I talk about the film. Uh, it was... Uh, okay, so... Oh, Jesus Christ. It wasn't a... Uh, Fiji. So, yeah, partly in Fiji with some filmed, uh, some some uh, scenes filmed in New York and Mississippi. <laughs> what a mix. But Fiji's a nice part of the world. You know, Dave Lister wanted to uh, to move there and, uh, and and do some farming. I think, if I remember my Red Dwarf correctly, but um, it made a decent profit. I don't think that there was much in the way of a possibility of sequels because it really does not keep its powder dry. Like everything is 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 nuked by the end of the movie in in terms of uh, further intrigue uh i really enjoyed michael peña in this movie i remember enjoying him at the time when we watched it in the cinema um and again um i think we this was one of the last films i watched before lockdown kicked in actually thinking about it if it was released 2020 um and uh yeah michael peña is in a it's it's he's very cast against type in this film like Peña is always to me at least the kind of the funny kind of sidekick guy um maybe that's mainly because of Ant-Man I don't know but he's he always seems to be the guy that's got the good sense of humor and can deliver the uh with good comedic timing and in this film he's very very serious like he he is absolutely um channeling Ricardo Mantelman 
um, in in <laughs> and I can't speak for certain that Mantelman was like this in in the uh, Fantasy Island TV show, but I know for certain for watching him from other stuff that he could be a very very serious dramatic actor. Um, there's there's a little bit of uh, comedy um, in there in the uh, in the form of uh, Jimmy Yang and uh, I think it's Ryan Hansen that plays his brother. Um, they're they're pretty funny, but like kind of just forgettable side characters. It's it's a fun story about revenge, and it's again got its kind of torture porn section where they're channeling the uh, the, the the works of uh, of um, you know Saw and uh, Hostel and things like that. Um, there is a massive plot hole. And I don't know if it's just because someone was doing a really good job of of acting or not, but um, one of the characters is not who they seem, and they know a lot more about the island than they're letting on during their initial quote-unquote fantasy playing out. Um, But they act like it's all new to them. There's no one around to witness them being befuddled and and all that. So I, I feel like that was being done purely for the audience's uh, benefit. And I kind of dislike that when a film is made in such a way that a character is acting for the benefit of the audience and not for the people around them. I don't know if I'm getting that point across correctly, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really saying it right, but essentially... That makes sense. I, I always notice it when it's like, oh, this needed to happen because they needed the scripts to happen this way. <laughs> like you can mm. feel that it's, it's you can kind of see behind the curtain a little bit is, is the feeling I get. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, okay, this this was for the movie, not necessarily for the character or whatever else. Yeah, because it would make sense if there was somebody with that character when they were acting this way, uh, but because they're on their own with no other witnesses, although they are filming themselves, so I suppose they're kind of building their own alibi. Um, I've kind of just inadvertently ruined who the, (laughs) never mind. It's a fucking five-year-old movie and I don't think it did massively, massively well in the horror community. It's, it's a fun movie, but I, you know, it's, um, it's kind of one of those ones that you just stick on when you just want to veg out in front of a, a horror movie. And it's got a little bit of everything. It's got action. It's got romance. It's got people in swimming suits. It's got jokes about hitting bongs and, all kinds of shit like that, you know, like it, it's got something for everyone. Um, so <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so that, that came to a crashing end, <laughs> but that was everything that I saw this week. Uh, I did read actually some of the dark tower. Amazingly. I know. Um, <laughs> I, I got through maybe five or six pages, uh, but with Poppy being un- kind of under the weather from her operation, um, you would think it would be a great time for me to sit down and read, but uh, we've ended up just watching a lot of Star Trek, the original series instead. Um, so, you know, that's a thing. Uh, but that's, that's all that we've really uh, been doing this week. So, yeah, a little bit of reading and uh, a little bit of gaming and a hell of a lot of watching movies that I liked, didn't like, was kind of in the middle of. So, there we nice. go. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, I only have really one thing maybe i i've been uh working a ton this week uh what little free time i've had has been either to uh the finals or recently hell divers 2 just came out so i've been playing some of that 
Um, and then uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I've been watching or rewatching episodes of that this week. Um, but this morning, uh, I finished Phantasm and had a little bit of time to spare before we started recording. So I grabbed my uh, best of Richard Matheson collection from last week and just went to the next story in the book. And it was a short story called Witch War, W-I-T-C-H, uh, that was published in 1951, I want to say, 52 maybe. Um, probably six pages long, um, maybe shorter. And it was pretty badass. It was about uh, this little small room with uh, seven young girls in it who are all acting like, you know, I think they're like preteens maybe. So they're talking about outfits and boys and 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 they're putting on makeup. And also this is a, a guy writing girls in 1951, so it's a little bit different. But um, And then you're, cu- you're cutting in between that with the fact that there is some sort of war happening. Um, maybe the soldiers on one side are zombies. Um, they don't give you a ton of details on the countries or anything, but the sort of reveal of the story is um, uh, a dude runs into, uh, an army guy runs into this room where all the girls are, and they're like, hey, we've got guys coming. There's one truck. There's one tank. Um, there's about you know 50 of these dudes or whatever, and all the girls stop talking, close their eyes, and... Um, uh, I guess cast spells and lots of different things show up on the battlefield, including um, 10 foot waves uh, of water that drown them or rhinoceroses or uh, tigers that tear people's faces off. <laughs> Just all these <laughs> awesome spells that these little girls are, are casting um, remotely and, and just completely killing this platoon of soldiers and wiping them out. Um, and then like the last sentence of the short story is, and then, you know, then they went downstairs and had breakfast. Like it's, it's like a very sort of different vibe for these girls. So it was pretty cool. Uh, especially again, much like reading the other stuff we talked about last week with Matheson, just kind of shocked that it holds up as like so ridiculously well. And it's, you know, about 75 years old. So pretty cool. And that's it for me this week. Um, so let's get into mm. our movie. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, Phantasm, 1979 American science fantasy horror film that was directed, written, photographed, and edited by Don Coscarelli. The first film in the Phantasm franchise, it introduces the tall man, played by Angus Grimm, a supernatural and malevolent undertaker who turns the dead of Earth into dwarf zombies to be sent to his planet and used as slaves. <laughs> what a what a breakdown. Now, now that you read it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he is opposed by a young boy, Mike, played by Michael Baldwin, who tries to convince his older brother, Jody, but played by Bill Thornbury, and family friend, Reggie, played by Reggie Bannister of The Threat. So this was a big uh, independent movie. Um, there's a lot of great uh, information on IMDb's trivia, on the Wikipedia. Don Coscarelli wrote uh, an entire book called True Indie about his experiences making um, different films in his in his career. Phantasm is covered pretty extensively in that. From what I remember, I read most, if not all, of the book back when it came out, so it's been a while now, but uh, I know he talks about Phantasm a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was there were stretches of time where they weren't filming, then they'd come back after weeks and, and film a little bit. Um, very much an independent sort of thing, like Coscarelli's renting out the equipment on Fridays so that he only has to pay for one day because they are closed on the weekends, so he can bring it back on Monday, <laughs> stuff like that, <laughs> uh, which is pretty awesome. Um, I had seen, I'll kick us off here. I had seen this movie. I rented it actually uh, in high school one time on VHS, 
uh, a friend of mine came over and we picked out a horror movie. We'd never heard of it. Um, we watched the opening scene. So we saw some nudity and a murder. And then little by little, we became less interested in it and ended up not finishing the rest. Um, I then revisited it. And I want to say, I forget, I, I have it logged in, in, in Letterboxd, but uh, a handful of years ago. And it was after the remastered version came out, which um, I, I can mention later, J.J. Abrams had a hand in that, which is pretty crazy. And uh, really liked it. I was very into it the first time I actually sat down and watched all of it. Um, it definitely clicks into a very specific um this sounds more sexual than I mean it, but like pleasure center of my brain when it comes to, when it comes to indie movies. Um, I'm sure similarly to how like evil dead hits me in the same way. Um, like early Robert Rodriguez movies where there's a, a very sort of palpable sense of how DIY it is, but at the same time, it's not sacrificing uh, at least ambitious attempts at bigger things that are either outside of its budget or outside of its reach of what they're able to pull off. Um, so because of that, I can see how it would be divisive for some people, maybe today. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys liked it or not. Um, but rewatching it this time, it just kind of re reconfirmed everything that I, that I love about it. The, the score uh, I think is great. I like all the actors. The acting is up and down kind of, but again, it kind of just works for me in that, sweet spot again same way like evil dead does um it has a mythology that i think is awesome that again like is is very ambitious for a movie like this um and uh yeah it's also one of the the movies where there's a lot of dream logic-y stuff but it doesn't piss me off and usually that stuff does um but for whatever reason i, I can roll with it in this one um so yeah i i was excited to watch it again now and like from beginning to end i i was clicked in um, in a way that, uh, yeah, I, I think I can mostly attribute to just you. You can feel how how handmade the movie is, um, and, and I think in a good way. But let's go around the table here and find out what you guys thought of it. Andy, what's your experience with this movie? I'm mostly happy to hear that you liked the movie because when the ending happened, I thought to myself, "Oh boy, there's a chance that David would be a baby about this movie." And we don't have good <laughs> I loved the movie so much, it didn't take long for me to really say out loud, I'm already in love with this movie. I think it was when Reggie showed up with that ice cream truck. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> that was the, uh, I already uh, liked the movie up to that point, and then that ice cream truck showed up. I thought, okay, this is a fantastic movie. So, so this is a movie that, of course, I had known all my horror movie watching life, but one of those movies, because of the time when it came out, wasn't easily available in Germany for a long time back in the 80s when they banned a lot of movies or you were only able to find edited versions so I've never seen it until today uh, of course I've seen images and, and, and scenes of it and was aware of what it was but I never saw it really so I wasn't really aware of how it looked and it looked fantastic of course I, yeah well, i mean I, I've, I've seen that remastered version that is now available just from the, the cinematography the the um, framing of the images the score was amazing i too thought of um, 
Evil Dead and of Halloween, movies that yeah. came out around the same time with very much that indie spirit, homemade, but on a level that you would hope to find nowadays in in yeah. movies that are made by a do-it-yourself um, projects. I mean, the thing, watching the movie, I thought to myself, yeah, right, I get it. Nowadays, it's so easy and everyone has access and anyone can make a movie, but not everybody is really capable <laughs> to use those tools yeah. to make yeah. a movie of the same quality that Don Coscarelli was able to pull off with this film. I, I thought of Podorowski, which I was very happy to find when I read the Wikipedia article afterwards that other critics had made the same connection. Um, and it is so weird, but so original. It didn't feel derivative in any way, at least not that I had seen movies from before Phantasm that it could be derivative of. And just thinking that it was such a vibrant vibrant time for horror movies and especially after Halloween when there's so many rip-offs of Halloween were made and something like Friday the 13th which started out as a Halloween rip-off and then became its own thing then there's something like Phantasm that is so much not <laughs> Halloween in its story yeah. it is of the same spirit in a way just from the creativity but it's so much a different movie and, and, and felt so original and its own thing. And I, I was very excited seeing this movie today. And um, uh, just a, a minor thing, this is now the, the third movie in a row that we're discussing that is kind of a kids versus evil forces, maybe even <laughs> evil forces from other dimension <laughs> movies. Yeah. And it's the third movie that is in the 90 minute ballpark. They're all between <laughs> 80 and 90 minutes, those last three movies. So I think we've uh, created a series without meaning to. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, Dave, what about you? Around 90 minutes, perfect movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's, uh, look, it's, it's got its little issues and foibles, obviously. Like the acting, like uh, has already been mentioned, is a little bit up and down in places. Um that being said, given the the knowledge of like the the, the genesis of this product, uh, project and the fact that it is an indie production, and I, I think the problem is is that when you're when you're aware of some of the big names in horror, and one of those big names is Phantasm, you just assume that it's going to be on the same level budgetarily and production wise as all of the other big names, right? And what you need to sometimes do is bear in mind that some of these movies came from very different places but had a significant impact in the same way that other movies that had bigger budgets or had a little bit more time to uh to, to film or, or whatever so um taking all that into account and, and adjusting for it like it's an excellent movie like it, it's so much better than it has any right to be given so many of the obstacles that it has and there there are things like the dream logic which you know can or or in some sometimes they don't sometimes they do break movies for them uh for people and like for me like that that final bit with you know boy 
standing behind him <laughs> and then him being like the, the mirror smashing and the, the arms kind of pulling him through. I I don't mind that, but maybe that's because there are several follow-ups that I'm aware of and I know that that may or may not be addressed. I'm not entirely 100% sure. Um, but I I dug it. I thought it was really good. Uh, I loved the soundtrack. Um, that is bearing in mind that I cannot remember a single bar of it now because I'm terrible where it comes to remembering these kind of things. But it's like, it's the same. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's it. It's the and same it's thing. Like, and he it, just kind of like it's iterates like on it. Synth and piano. And it has this very kind of 70s, early 80s vibe to it. Um, <laughs> Baldwin is a st- I I don't know what to think of that that kid. Um, <laughs> he's like Dude. he's thirteen years old. He's drinking beer. He's driving cars. He's <laughs> I I love the character. Like, don't get me wrong. I think it's a great character. Like, it's demonstrated very early on. Like, oh, he can fix the car and he can do this and he can do that. Like, he's very hands on, very practical kid. Obviously, um, a, an old head on young shoulders. I love the fact that they don't labour the point of him trying to convince his brother of what's happening they're just like no look here's a here's a, um, a severed finger in yellow goop and his brother's like right i believe you um <laughs> they, they don't waste time with with like you know the the very obvious and drawn out 15 minute i need to try and convince you that what i'm telling you is the truth uh thing which a lot of films will go through and there's no need for it a lot of the time really good film i really i did enjoy it a lot and i actually I'd, I'd never seen it before uh, last night. Um, I had listened to a few podcasts. Um, one of them was a conversation about, I think, Phantasm Four, the film that never happened. Um, and it was the they the, did po- they did make four. They did make four, but the fourth one that was made was very different from the one that was originally. Oh, planned. I got you. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's. Um, it's not how did this get made it's the other one from electric surge here i go again asking you guys to remember things for me uh movies Um, yeah best movies never made best movies (laughs) never made never made yeah Yeah. so it was it was a discussion um around the fourth movie that that was going to be made and then obviously a different one was um i think they were going to lean a lot heavier into the kind of multi-dimensional kind of aspects of of the law um all I know about it is what I heard on that podcast, most of which I've forgotten, and uh, what I saw in this movie that we're talking about now. So I'm not heavily versed in it. I was unaware that there was like a massive kind of alien component to it. I thought it was all just going to be very kind of supernatural. I love the alien aspect to it. I think it's absolutely fucking nuts. Um, and the one last thing I'll say, and then we'll, we'll just kind of open it up to more general discussion the special effect of the gateway to the other world where he puts his hand through and it is 100% a practical effect. I think it's a mirror that they use or something like that, but it just works so well. Like he puts his hand through the gateway and it disappears and then he pulls it back out. And, and you know, but if you actually look in the reflection of the pillar to the left of him, you can see his hand on, on the, um, passing through past the point um but i love that they left that in because it just kind of sometimes the the trick is in doing a special effect that is so well done that you've got no idea of knowing how it's done 
but I find a lot of the time there's a lot of joy to be taken from a special effect that you can absolutely tell how it was done, but it's done so well that you really don't care. Um, and it's one of those effects for me. And I think a lot of this movie, a lot of the effects are like that, where I'm like, I know exactly what they would have done or what I would have done to achieve that effect. But this is so much better looking than I would ever manage that I just can't help but appreciate just the effort that went into it. It's, it's man, it's such a good movie. And I hope we talk about more of these movies down the line, because if this is an indicator, like I want flying chrome balls all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm pretty happy you guys liked it too because that that was <clears throat> uh that was a thought I had right away was like man if if these guys like this movie like we should do more of them in the future um I'm not saying that has to be next week but just at some point because I I haven't seen the rest of them either and I'd like to watch them I, I know the the next one was straight or was was theatrical um I know that controversially there was an actor change for Mike um but then after that. I think everybody's back for the most part. So three and four were direct to video. Uh, the fourth one, Ravager, I think is the subtitle. Um, I, that one came out in like 2016. That was fairly recent. Good God. Um, and yeah, I remember at the time hearing, I, I think that's the first one that Coscarelli didn't do. He had somebody else, but he helped write it. And um, it. I remember at the time people saying like, it's pretty awesome that they did this. It also has awful CG, <laughs> which apparently <laughs> is like one of the consensus is. Oh, so, uh, uh, but I think kind of, in spite of maybe because of that, I, I want to see the rest. Um, like you mentioned too, Andy, like it's such a unique uh, sort of thing. Like not exactly like Neon Maniacs, but in a similar way where it's like this was totally different um, than than what was going on. And like you guys mentioned, the the otherworldly stuff like that. I remember the last time I watched it in this time too, just being so. Um, captivated by that that it's it's because it has all the setup and premise of of a million horror movies you've seen like a an evil um an evil graveyard mort- what what's the word like a great is he mortician? a grave digger or or mortician grave, yeah. yeah um like an the evil guy creepy guy in the cemetery and cemetery shots and people disappearing or being killed in cemeteries and it's like well also you know they're taking the dead bodies and compacting them into smaller forms that are more heat resistant because they're traveling to another dimension that is, <laughs> that is a... in fact another planet uh just crazy shit like that they didn't have to do that is so cool and it's so interesting and fun like you the acting wise like uh the kid who plays who played um mike a michael baldwin i i love this kid i think he's great in this yep. movie like his even even the moments where he delivers lines of dialogue and it kind of feels like eh, you're kind of you're acting or whatever. There's still something about him that is like you you, you root for him like you you, you want to be there with him. But then I kind of feel that way about all of them, even like his older brother, who is more like kind of the clueless guy at first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then Reggie, especially like oh, I think I Reggie, Reggie has become I think I, I don't know. I haven't seen the rest of the movies, but uh, my understanding is that he's kind of become like the the dark horse underdog mascot character of the of the franchise he's real life friends best friends with Coscarelli and and was I think growing up when they first were making the movie he wrote the character around him didn't change his name he <laughs> like, didn't change anyone's names him. I think most of the actors uh like Michael Baldwin plays Mike and Reggie oh, yeah, is played by right. Reggie and like I think most of the named characters from what I saw in the end credits 
The um, tall man is legally named the tall man. Yeah, it's, like, it's not crazy. a lot of people know that, and, and he is actually <laughs> a tall man. Um, <laughs> but he's that's a good segue too. I think Angus Scrim is great in this. Like he's yeah. he has a uh, he has a presence in it that is. I'm glad Austin's not here for me to say this, but it's it's the opposite of how I felt about Dracula and in Monster Squad, where it was this <laughs> dude who who you and I don't even mean charisma. I just mean like you look at him and you watch him on the screen, and and I had like almost no connection to him in in any way to where it's like mm. I feel like I should have more. I feel like maybe this guy should have had a career. I'd see it, whatever but, else. But that's Angus Scrim right away, and part of it is how he looks. But mm. right away, you're just like, oh, I get why this guy's the face of this franchise. Like, look at him. <laughs> Yeah, but but also like you know the the thing that was going against the actor that plays Dracula in in Monster Squad, not to rehash what we were talking about last week, but it's the fact that like how do you go up against Bela Lugosi, and and outdo him in terms of charisma and presence? You just you don't not unless you're like Christopher Lee, and even then that is arguable. Like there will be Angela. Like you have to do a different or Gary Oldman. There's many or old Dracula. (laughs) Okay, so basically what we're saying here is that actually he's just a really bad choice for Dracula. (laughs) But like you need to bring more to the role than just having dark hair that can be slicked back. And and well, a pretty and, decent gag reflex to stop you from throwing up the teeth, you know, like. And Angus Grimm has has little to no dialogue, but he doesn't need um, it because that's what the character is. He's just a presence. He's meant so... to be a physical being that you dread. Dude, there's so many shots in this movie. I, I'm, I'm I could not be more happy that you guys liked it. And Andy, you were saying all the same stuff uh, that like was hitting me the same way. In particular, the the look of it, like the amount of just great shots in this movie where you can see that uh, again, like the talent was there. Um, and, and the, the, you know, it wasn't his very first movie. He had made a couple films, I think before this, but um, the shot, the scene where the tall man's walking and, and um, uh, I'm forgetting everyone's names. Mike is watching him and he walks by Reggie's uh, oh, ice cream yeah. truck and, that and he stands there just, and all that. Yeah. Yeah, like cold air just has this like crazy weird look where he's like breathing in or whatever. And I, I forget where I read somewhere in the movie point out later, like, oh, well, he comes from this hot planet. So maybe he's reacting to that, the cold. And but also they wanted it to be ambiguous as like, is this a feeling that he likes or that he hates? Like, mm. it's such a simple thing. Um, and it I don't know. It just for me, it adds so much to his character, not in a way where you know more about him, but just the the it has he has to have something to him otherwise the rest of the movie doesn't yeah. work it's it's and, not small details in the movie yeah. where you see there's some kind of mythology but it doesn't exp- the movie doesn't explain it the 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 fortune tellers the grandmother oh, and the and her. the granddaughter and they both <laughs> yeah. have this tiny star yeah. um tattooed on their face and and you know and and when when mike leaves and and the the grandmother starts laughing and giggling and you know there is something going on with these characters and and then they're gone from the movie <laughs> but yeah, it just enriches the, also, the whole but the history weird, and background the weird thing is yeah. is that i never felt that they were um devious or evil characters those two like no. y- y- it would be so easy for them to come across as being untrustworthy but somehow or what, yeah go on I was just gonna say, or to be the opposite, where it's like 
the usually when they go see a fortune teller in movies, it's to have the fortune teller be like, you're messing with something you shouldn't be messing with. Like that is a, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sensing a dark presence of the tall man or whatever. And it's not that. In fact, she makes a box appear out of nowhere and they do a scene from Dune. And I was going to mention disappears. that. It was absolutely <laughs> like down to the fact that they almost word for word. And I watched Dune back the other day, the, um, the, the Denis Villeneuve one. Um, yeah. And the whole, you know, fear is the mind killer. And and he almost says the exact thing. They say fear thing. is the killer. Fear like, is the killer. Yeah. It won't just kill your mind. It will kill all of you. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> who's going to sue who? <laughs> the uh, I, I loved that. And not just because I love Dune, uh, but it was clear that it was... Uh, it was a an homage. It was clear that it was like a, well, the hand in know, the box, and yeah, of you course. you don't do it that closely without it being exactly. like, look, I want to shout out this thing. Yeah. Apparently, I saw in the trivia there's a bar named Dune. I didn't catch that though. Um, oh, well, there's one the, that they the, show the sign of a couple times, but it's not. Does it have the word? Yeah, Dune I didn't think it said Dune on it, but maybe I'm. Um, wasn't maybe it it's like another, another Copa bar. something or other? I I thought that it had a more kind of Caribbean sounding name. Yeah, that's my memory too. Yeah. I might have to go back anyway. and have another look. I see the, several um, shop signs in the movie, so maybe it's not that far. I didn't see it. Um, the, the the small details you mentioned earlier, too, Andy, the the moment where he... <laughs> and I have no idea if this was an influence on Shyamalan or not, but it reminded me so much of the scene where uh, Mel Gibson has an alien trapped in the pantry um, with the <laughs> hand and all that. Uh, in signs but the where he the tall man's chasing him and he slams the door on his fingers when he cuts his fingers off oh. having it be this yellow uh, like banana guess, blood or is some sort of yeah that is such a shocking like i don't know it, it's not particularly shocking because it's gory but more just because you see this bright yellow which you're not expecting to see <laughs> and and right away that's another sort of little detail that you're like oh shit. You know, what, what else then he doubles down and turns the finger into a fly monster a, that part is crazy into a fly spider yeah <laughs> what, what i find you know something it's only just kind of pops into my head now but um it would be really easy without any context to be like this kid broke into a funeral parlor and then when the owner tried to accost him, he cut his fingers off. You know, like yeah. it would be so easy for that to go wrong and for the audience to be like, well, this kid's no, no good. But the fact that he cuts those fingers off and like there's this yellow banana goop coming out of his fingers. It, it's, you know, we were talking uh, about uh, kind of not exactly environmental storytelling, but it's kind of parallel to it where you see certain uh, things that the actors do without saying anything and it sets up the larger law. The fact that he cuts that guy's fingers off and there's all this goop coming out of them, it's just like, oh, this isn't a human. Like, okay, <laughs> he's right to break in because something weird is going on here. Never mind the steel ball of death, which I think they get a name in later movies, don't they? Because they're a very iconic weapon. Um, I'm, I'm not. I don't know if they do. I, I mean, you might the end right, credits, no they're idea. they're called silver spheres and i think i've always known them they're just called spheres. silver spheres yeah, i don't know if they enough. have a more specific name iron man's bollocks um <laughs> why not uh you know, like that um you know so uh, like the that effect was really cool like when it and also it's the groundsman oh yeah i was going to say and also like bloody. the gore there is is such a cool touch because it's not mm. like a splatter fest movie throughout the whole thing by any means but no. uh i i think because of that when that part hits you're just like oh shit <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's so crazy and um that was always my 
for the longest time, that was always the only thing I had associated with this movie was just, oh, it's the one with the old guy who has the balls that fly around with little knives on them. Like I, <laughs> and, and it never really, it never really out of context. That, that is a weird sure. sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was also uh, th- th- this is such a cool piece of trivia. So. Part of the reason the remastered version came about is because Abrams wanted to see the movie. He wanted to do a screening of the movie to see it again because he mm. had liked it when he was a kid um, and found out through Coscarelli that they didn't have like a, a good they had some prints, but they didn't have like a good version of it. Um, so I believe I could be wrong. I don't know if he paid for the remaster or they did it through Bad Robot. Um, and so there's a, they remastered the film. And then the other cool connection to Abrams is that when he saw the designs for Captain Phasma and The Force Awakens, um, he named her Phasma after Phantasm <laughs> because oh. it reminded him of the, of the, because the, she has silver balls, balls as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is very cool. It's such a cool uh, little detail. That is awesome, um, actually. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy you guys like this movie because I, it, to the point, like it, it fits my my sensibilities and my interests and stuff so closely that I always kind of have this like fifth spot in my top five horror movies that's sort of um, nebulous. Like it'll change. Like I've mm-hmm. had the fly in there for a long time. Uh, at one point, um, I think back in like closer to college, I had Cabin in the Woods as the thing, which now I don't have anymore. But as I was watching this and I was like, fuck, maybe it's Phantasm. Maybe that's my <laughs> my fifth. I just, I love everything about it. Like, I think especially watching it the second time, there was also this um, this vibe where it was like, oh, this might be a comfort movie for me. <laughs> like in the future, if I'm like sick or something, like the just being able to click into it right away um, with all the decisions. It's also pretty fast paced especially for a movie back then especially for a horror movie um i read somewhere that coscarelli said that he wanted to do a movie where there was like a scare or something every like five minutes Mm. and it it doesn't feel like formulaic like that or at least it doesn't to me but it does inform the the tone and the speed of the movie um because it is pretty like you get all the necessary information you need along the way you get that their parents were killed and there's this thing hanging over them and or maybe not killed, but they do they ever say? I yeah. assume that they got killed in like a well, car. Well, they, they say they died, but I don't remember anyone saying whether it was natural causes or anything like that. I suppose you could maybe. assume that they both had it off with uh, a blonde woman in the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> they the the thing at the ending, which I don't even I don't even know what the ending is. Like mm. I, this is one of those movies where I'm just like I don't know, but who cares? <laughs> like I don't know if it actually was a dream. Like you said, there's more movies. I don't know if how those play out, what they decide to do, because, you know, the Nightmare movies have more movies, too. Well, and it turns out Reggie is still alive in the later ones, so I yeah, guess, kind of. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I kind of don't really care a ton, just because the mm. movie feels that way almost from the jump. There's other scenes and sequences where there's a great shot where he wakes up from a nightmare and the tall man's standing over him oh, in the graveyard his so bed good. is there. So <laughs> fun that a couple image. of corpses the jump out of the grave. Ground and, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All that. Uh, there's there's a bunch of shots like that that he does that are, are just so great. I, another small thing that I really love that I thought uh, is still very effective and pretty creepy is I I believe it's right after he cuts the tall man's fingers off. Um, he's running toward the camera in this like storage room or whatever, like the camera's backing up with him. And at a certain point they have one of the little dwarf hooded 
dudes come out and start chasing him. Mm. But the way that he has it blocked, you can almost not see that dude come around the corner at all. So it's it's a very natural sort of thing of like, oh, shit, he's being chased <laughs> like out of nowhere. There's this this thing. And he uses those. I mean, they're Jawas, but it was before ja- before Star Wars. <laughs> Every time I see him, I think of Jawas. Uh, After they, Star Wars. Uh, well, Star Wars in 1977. Yes. No, no, you're right. Uh, sorry, I should, I should, I should clarify. Apparently, they shot the stuff before uh, okay. the trailer for because of the production time of Star Wars came out. Something like that. They, they didn't copy it. They, it was, I, I forget the exact well, thing, but yes, you're right. It's it a very practical ago. decision to have them dressed in that way, anyway. Because where are you going to find? <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm assuming that he couldn't just go, uh, you know ring up uh, Dwarf Actors Limited and say I need a couple of your finest. Uh, so you know he's uh, he's just he's just like okay well okay how about we get some kids and put them in robes and then we do the big reveal uh, with some camera trickery that their friend is one of the dwarves. Um, when I I saw somewhere that they. By that time, they had shot a bunch of stuff. They thought, well, maybe we should change the color of the robes. Hmm. Um, oh, I forget. And they were just basically like, we can't now. <laughs> we've, we've done I mean, too much robes are going to be either black or brown. Like, it's not... I, I, I get why people would draw comparisons between the two. But ultimately, especially since they've got the whole June um, thing earlier on in the <laughs> film as well. But, I mean, come on, like... Nah, it's it still works. I mean, yeah. It, like, what, what the, are we going to say? Star Wars was copying the fucking Gregorian order of monks. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we stop? The I think the another thing that really makes them interesting and cool is the the sound design that he uses throughout mm. the, the noises that they make, um, how it changes, um, all that stuff. I thought was was really kind of creepy and effective, dude. This is one of my favorite. Um, little pieces of trivia. So like the, the mausoleum that they're in quite a bit, it's made out of like plywood and, uh, uh, contact paper, like wallpaper, like sticker wallpaper of marble. That's all that is. Really? <laughs> it looks, yes, it looks. I was so wondering, good. I was wondering if this was an actual place or if they built that because I, 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 would, I, I would, yeah, I would, I, I, I would have been surprised in a way if it had been mm-hmm. an actual place, because I thought to myself, do those places look like that in the US? <laughs> it looks very, I don't know, specific. Yeah. But now hearing you telling us how it was built is crazy. Uh, it, yeah, it looks better uh, than that. Yeah. Hardboard I mean, and, and, and scotch tape. For my part, <laughs> yeah. like it passed the eye test. I, I was like, I, I didn't think for sure that it was or wasn't. Uh, a mausoleum but i was like to be honest if if it is a real one it wouldn't surprise me like it's too well lit for a real mausoleum well if it <laughs> and you would assume if it is a real one all right coscarelli's like uncle works at a you know it would have yeah, been something exactly. like that where they had access but yeah they i, I think i also read it might it might have been a different set but i think it was the mausoleum that he hired um I want to say that it was some students right out of film school or product it was it was people mm. that were new to it yeah and they made it too permanent of a like they put t- so much work into making it like very stable <laughs> in a way to where he was like, I, I don't think they had to keep it up but in a way to where it was like no 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 you got to make it 
way easier to take down next time. Like, we don't need yeah. it to be that technically sound, necessarily. Actually, it, it turns um, out that they built it so well that they ended up having to build a, um, a mortuary around it, and yeah, it's now Angus being Scrim's used as a real there. mausoleum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's... Uh, and he does a lot with the... I, I want to say there's probably four shots of uh, in terms of like what they bounce around with within that mausoleum because they they only have so many ways they can show it but I, sure they make it work like it yeah yeah it never to me feels like they're just trying to reuse the same hallway over and over again like they're they're clever about it and it but, feels you know, like uh they're in a place the the good thing about a mausoleum is that it's because it's man-made right and every corridor should look roughly the same as the last one all you have to do is change the location of a, of a uh, you know a rug on the wall or a, a pot or you know flowers in a vase or something and change the camera angle from one end to the other and it looks completely different and this is something that um tv shows like star trek have been doing for years uh the original yeah. series had one alien world set that they would redress constantly the next generation did exactly the same it was called planet hell i think or the hell planet um the the sound stage where they would film all of their um uh this kind of on world action and it was if, if you actually look at it and there are interviews with uh the production people behind the, the shows where they talk about this and actually, one of the later episodes that I watched the other day, which has Lurch from the original Adams family in it, um, <laughs> it's um, it is literally like one set, and through clever use of freestanding um, uh, like rocks and things like that, and reverse angles, they were able to make one tiny little set with like rock walls and stuff look like a massive long passage that took them the best part of like five or six real-time minutes to walk through. It's absolutely cool. mental what you can do with just a little bit of of trickery and, and set dressing. Yeah, and the I, I think that that is like kind of a good microcosm example uh, in this movie of the entire representative of the entire thing is mm. the, it, it all feels like that to a certain degree or another and the i think that's one of the reason why the one of the reasons why the trivia on imdb is so interesting to read if not his actual book which i i from what i remember i recommend i remember liking it quite a bit um there's just stuff like that throughout like the in terms of things that they had to do or there's a lot of cut things that they um that they were doing on the fly so like for example they they wanted to keep the continuity of the tall man's fingers being gone after they cut it. So they made him a fake arm <laughs> with oh, to, to wear with these fingers missing. Um, and then when they put him, they put it on him, it was like it hung way lower than his other arm. <laughs> and so in that moment they were like, fuck it. He can regenerate. <laughs> like this, so there's a lot of stuff like that where it was just like, we, we can't do that. So yeah, it's fine. He can, he can do this or that. Like they were changing stuff on the fly and, mm. I don't know, like, it's, it feels, there's something about that that appeals to me in a big way. It, it happens in comics a lot, too. Uh, I mean, there's an entire sort of method for making comics called the Marvel Method, where, you know, the, the writer will give a, a pretty broad overview. You know, Fantastic Four has to fight Doctor Doom, mm. you know, outside of this pharmacy. The pharmacy gets blown up, Doctor Doom escapes. Like, that's that's all the artist gets, and then... Uh, when they send the the art back for what is you know maybe a twenty page <laughs> issue or sequence or whatever, uh, then the writer sits down and writes the dialogue and and is not necessarily constrained but 
in a weird way constrained slash like opened up to being able to create within what the artist did and it's not exactly the same thing but it reminds me a lot of those sorts of moments where very cool sort of organic things can happen it doesn't always work um but just sort of like happy accidents or mm. those limitations or force them to sort of think further outside the box like uh, all that stuff just really clicks for me in a big I'm, way i'm gonna use a term that some people shirk back from but i'm gonna use it but that is the benefit sometimes of auteur filmmaking <laughs> yeah. um because you know you are the writer the director the editor the the everything you can make those choices without having to worry about pissing other people higher up off you just okay this isn't going to work i'm going to do this instead and it's just like right. it's your vision to begin with and like you you mentioned the um the whole finger thing the scene where he, where um mike opens the door up and the tall man is standing there with his hand up in the air and he's got his hand like turned so that his knuckles are facing himself and then he goes from having the the fingers all bent so it looks like the fingers are still cut off and he just flexes his hand open so that all <laughs> of his fingers are there and and in literally like a 5 second bit of film we've established oh he can regenerate his limbs because he's acknowledging it it's not just like he turns up and oh look continuity error he's got his fingers he acknowledges look you thought you had my fingers cut off i've got new right. ones bitch like that's <laughs> such a, a quick and easy way of doing it and it's such an elegant way as well but because he's the writer and director he doesn't have to ask permission um from the writer whether he can change it because he is the fucking writer he can do what he wants it's right. you know and, and those are the benefits whether or not you subscribe to auto um you know theory or, or not or whether you even acknowledge the use of the word <laughs> like, well in this case too it's also like the title of his book true indie like feels very accurate to this film in yeah. particular like having and ha having all these people on board like that that's another thing i think about a lot uh, one of my favorite sort of little sequences in the documentary american movie which i've talked with you guys a lot about i'm a big fan of it um there's a sequence where he's meeting with the actors that are going to be in his, this is a documentary. So this is real stuff. Hmm. He's meeting with the actors that are going to be working on his, his short horror film. And there's, there's an immediate sort of, I don't know, like camaraderie or this sort of shared bit. Like everybody knows what they're doing and, and why they're there. You're and in the trenches with each other. Yeah. It's all authentic. Like there's hmm. not, there's nobody, you know, making fun of it or expressing doubt. I mean, maybe they might have those feelings you know, privately or whatever, but at least in the moment, like people are there ready to do it, ready mm -hmm. to get it done. And, um, yeah, I cannot recommend the trivia on IMDb <laughs> or, or his book enough. Cause there's just so many little stories about, you know, this, this, uh, the guy who played Joe Jory Jody whatever his name is mm -hmm. he didn't uh, he didn't want to show his ass in that one sex scene so that's the key grips ass <laughs> on the set <laughs> like it's just the key grips butt for one shot uh, and then back like it, th there's little things like that throughout that are pretty uh, and in fact I think that one I read it was like he he didn't want to show uh, his butt so they had this other guy do it Coscarelli was pissed at him like set him off set or whatever but then later they they reconciled and went to a Dodgers game like that was the, the <laughs> trivia or whatever. So they, they reflected on it and they were like, actually the key grips <laughs> arse is better looking. So we, we dodged a bullet with that one. You've got a flat pancake for a backside son. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. You guys liked it. Cause it's, it, it's such a fun sort of you. It's so unique. I think that's the thing that's, really, that's shocking about it too. It shows uh, so that much, old. 
yeah. so so much imagination you know like as much as we laugh about the the whole kind of synopsis of um he's making dead bodies into compacted dwarves so that they can <laughs> be slaves on his alien homeworld it's like that that is such an out there idea like it's a mashup of so many different genres and it it's not something that i i think the reason that i laugh at it is because it is just not a sentence that you would ever expect to hear put together in real life. And yet here we are yeah. talking about it. And not only that, it's a really well-made movie. Like it's the exact opposite of Haunt that I was talking about earlier. Like th- th- this has got so much fucking great writing and imagination and it leaves you wondering until the final moments. And even in the final well, moments, if, it spins you for, for a loop. Especially if you're, if you're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's your understanding of the movie without having watched it is similar to the ones we all had, which is, mm. you know, tall, creepy dude. And then the silver balls with knives, like yeah. reading that synopsis and being like, well, what, what are the silver balls that with knives? What? And it's like, Oh, they show up a couple times. It's not as important <laughs> as I, the I'm, other dimension. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely flabbergasted that I have gone 40 years on this dirt ball of a planet and I've known about Phantasm, and I've known about the balls, and so has Poppy, by the way. And all this time, I have been unaware of the true kind of like end game of this movie. It's absolutely bizarre to me that it is so. Um, what's the word? I don't know. It's like I, I feel like I think it's. I would use the word ambitious. It's 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 ambitious in a way that yeah, like. Even just having that idea would have been ambitious, but showing the planet, like showing <laughs> yeah. the having, and even though it doesn't make a ton of sense, the another little moment that you mentioned earlier, Andy, having them have that scene where they're playing guitar together, a love the scene. I'm just into the scene on its own. <laughs> like I think it's it it when they when he gets up there and they start playing together, they actually sound pretty good. And Reggie's like doing scales and shit, like that that all is awesome. But he pulls out a tuning fork, which in and of itself is interesting and crazy and then that becomes the little moment for later in the film where he's like time to become a human tuning fork <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's just so i, I don't just, know i was all, just waiting for his works. hands to get blown off honestly like yeah. I, you know something Dude, was gonna happen speaking of getting their hands blown off that's another crazy moment that kid puts a little thumbtack into a shotgun shell and then yes. hits it against his door what the that should have killed him <laughs> yeah th- like somebody it's on the crazy. crew did not understand how how caps work how like blast caps work that's not how it fucking works and i live in a country where we don't have easy access to guns but i still it's i still really love move. the MacGyver the macgyverness of it like if that's a word and it is now the oh, macgyverness yeah. of it I, I just fucking love that and he was like so quick with it as well he was just like yeah i'm just gonna make a hammer shotgun <laughs> what the hell? also i'm not sure that if you want to stop a door from being opened you can do it's an in-swinging door and he forces a screwdriver into the gap on the outside i don't think I mean, he also has a works. window <laughs> yeah he also There's does also... have a window you're absolutely right yeah like i'm ar- i'm arguing semantics when this kid made a fucking shotgun ha- hammer for god's sake <laughs> Didn't have to also do it. So see that he already had kicked a hole in the door. Yes. <laughs> he could have just used the hammer on the door without the, the shell. <laughs> he would have opened it. Well, I wondered if he was going to do that at first. and But also, like, I assumed that that hole in the door was from a previous take that didn't get into the film. But <laughs> I been. also love the idea that his brother knew how to lock him in so easily because he's done it before. 
and that hole is from him previously kicking the door out of frustration for being locked in again because the whole movie brother... is predicated around the idea that he follows his brother around everywhere well and his older brother is also very confident in trying to like leave him with other people or send him back to the house mm. which from the jump, I was like, "Dude, this kid's this kid's gonna leave." You have to know that he doesn't, <laughs> like, he doesn't just, just send him back he's to the been house. Leaving the whole movie <laughs> in one scene, he gives his thirteen-year-old brother the keys to his car and says, "I'll see Which you is at a home." Badass car, it's a badass car too. <laughs> it's a fucking awesome car. I'm so jealous of that car. <laughs> Fat rims. Oh man. <laughs> I know. At some point in the franchise, Reggie has a four-barreled shotgun. So, oh hell yeah! I, I mean, I think shit just continues to get um crazy and fun i i do know from what i've heard that this does seem to be kind of the one that's like the best <laughs> so i would imagine that it'll be diminishing returns to a certain degree but i mean it's also one of those franchises because... that i i don't care like i just want to see more of the the world and i want to see the characters again and the stuff that that they do with it whether they're good or not just because they're so different mm. um yeah man Really happy you guys liked it. I know I keep saying that, but uh, I always have that feeling when I'm really into what we're watching this week, and I'm like, shit, what if I'm the only one that loves this? No, no, I, I'm I'm relieved that I enjoyed it because like when you're watching something that has the name recognition of Phantasm, right? Whether or not people have seen it, I think most people know that there is a film out there called Phantasm, and it has big silver balls flying around and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> like you know, it's it's that pop culture thing, right? Where like th those facts leach their way into your mind, whether or not you've you're a horror fan or you've seen it. Actually watching it for the first time, I really was worried that I was going to be like, oh, I don't like it. And like the first five minutes didn't do anything to make me think that I was going to love it because it's literally a guy shagging in the, you know, a woman in the graveyard. And then it turns out that the woman is actually the tall man. And then a couple of guys going to a funeral and having an awkward conversation and mentioning that they were in a three man band with, with the victim. And I was like, I don't know where this is really going. And this doesn't feel like a kind of film. But that pretty... I'm gonna enjoy. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a moment right after that, that it was where it go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's where it kicks in. It's like, you know, that you, you've got Mike on his motorbike, just tearing it up across a graveyard, which is very disrespectful, but I can get behind it. <laughs> Um, you know, he goes down in, uh, um, his brother, uh, goes into the mausoleum to visit his parents and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the tall man makes his presence known, like the, the funeral is ready to proceed, sir. Um, and, and then the fucking tall man just picks the coffin up, like 500 yep. pound coffin. That's, that's what I was going towards. Just Great throws moment. it in the fucking back of the car. What the? <laughs> and such a simple thing to to do like again I, I keep i could gush about you know the what's the name of the robert rodriguez book andy um rebel without a crew rebel without a crew yeah the so many moments that gave me that same vibe of like you all you like they they had to make one out of like balsa wood or whatever and there's oh, a yeah. rope on it and stuff they, mm -hmm. they had to do but but even then it's so simple and is such a big moment in the movie and and is such an impactful those are the things that i i always think about and look at that i find so much i get so excited about is like the whole thing about like you don't need money to make a movie all that stuff like that's absolutely true but also you have to know how to effectively use what you're doing and so instead of having some sort of big scene where they show you know a, a fight or a crazy show of strength or anything it's just like no this dude just picks up a 500 pound coffin and puts in the yeah. back of the car like that's one shot 
but mm. right away you're like okay that doesn't make any sense <laughs> so but again uh, i'm in a different reality in terms of who this dude is and yeah yeah it's just so smart and again like going back to what i was saying about like practical effects like you know you know absolutely for certain like oh they just made a balsa wood coffin but the impressive thing about that scene is that like to look at it it looks like a genuine you know like oak or yeah. like hardwood coffin like there, there is nothing about it that looks shonky or off and watching ta- channels on youtube like tested uh which is adam savage from um, mythbusters it's his youtube channel like when he gets into the weeds talking about making props and like set dressing and stuff like that and he talks about like weathering and he demonstrates techniques like that and there are other channels on youtube that go into similar things it's just so impressive when you see the end results on film like we do here. Like, I knew how that sausage was made, but goddamn, it looked like a juicy sausage. You know, like, it, it got my stomach rumbling. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Um, I feel like we're at the end of, uh, unless unless you guys have any other big things before we do double feature picks. Can't think of anything. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it out there, definitely watch it. Let us know what you thought. It's it's so fun. And uh, I think whether or not you're somebody who likes movies from this era, there's just enough craziness in it. <laughs> I think it'll it'll hold your interest. Um, all right, double feature picks. Let's start with you, Andy. What you got? Yeah, I went with Halloween for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Just they came out at a similar time um, and had this shared like abundance of creativity and do-it-yourself attitude and and just the the skill of these two directors but with very different outcomes so it is a a horror double feature with uh one being one of the earlier slashers and the other being this unique blend of sci-fi and horror and dream logic and yeah so halloween and phantasm that's a great great night of uh of watching movies phantasm halloween uh dave what do you got uh so i've gone with a sci-fi pick and the reason being not not only because i feel like the alien planet that the uh, the tall man is sending slaves to might be uh, a neighboring planet to arrakis uh, but also because of the box and the pain and the fear being the mind killer, uh, I'm I'm gonna pick um, the original adaptation of Dune. Perfect. Um, I was hoping you would say that <laughs> because why the that's fuck the not? one to pair with this. <laughs> it is absolutely so. Yeah, we're we're going with um, with uh, the original Dune uh, from sometime in the 70s or 80s. I can't fucking remember. David Lynch, baby. One of my favorite parts in that movie, I I just watched it for the first time not too long ago, and uh, in the original novel, and I would imagine, they they don't get into this in the first half of the Villeneuve, so probably in the second one, Mm -hmm. they give um, Thufir Hawat a a poison that unless they give him the antidote every day or whatever else, it, it will kill him. And the, the Harkonnens have him captured, so they they're doing this every day or every week or whatever, so that he won't die. But that's the threat looming over him. That's in the book, uh, mm. and I'm assuming in the new movie. In the original film, uh, they bring him a cat inside of a robot cage, 
and they're like, you got to milk this cat every day <laughs> to get <laughs> to get the antidote, yeah. and then they never fucking talk about it again. <laughs> so that's the kind of movie it is. What uh, I want you and... to do is milk the cat for me. And why are we milking this cat, David? Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's always my favorite. I've just, just always liked the idea of somebody milking a cat. <laughs> I I like that movie. It's pretty fun. <laughs> um, mine is uh is kind of a kind of I don't want to say boring or obvious choice, but uh, I, it's another movie that I I really love, and I think more people need to see. And it is also extremely, um ambitious and creative in what it does but it came out many years later and that's the mortuary collection by ryan spindell which we did on the uh on the show so mm. cool mortuary dude and clancy brown in that movie there's you know some surface level connections there but uh if nothing else i just want to throw it out there again because i don't feel like not enough people have seen that movie and it's one that i um will probably watch again soon you know we we liked it on the show Fun film. good stuff uh all right cool um that is it for this week if you enjoyed the film didn't whatever let us know over on social media you can google it uh or at our gmail account international at gmail.com in the meantime stay safe out there keep watching horror movies and we will see you next week Bye-bye. boy This has been a production of FanOff.com. And that's perfect.